like my last Salutations from the other side Well, I can see that you're the devil's pride Do you realize that all of you donated something horrible you hated that was part of you? Well, I'm your nightmares coming true I am your crime Woo! Like that last Sitting listen while the fun begins Hearts are broken, bad guy wins didn't listen, all the cutting up is easy, and it isn't for the queasy, for the weak of heart. Well, you had better start the home while it's still time. Never sing my music again. Not here, not anywhere. Do you understand? Never again. My music is for Phoenix. Only she can sing it. Anyone else that tries, dies. Cinema 9 Podcast with your host, Eric Brandstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you right now. Well, hello there. Thanks for joining us. This is the Cinema 9 Pod crew. Michael, Travis, Eric. It stinks like shit where Eric is, but that's okay. We're going to get through this because that's what we do. Sometimes things aren't going your way. And then you turn on our show and you're hanging out with your old pals once again. Cinema 9 Pod at gmail.com is how you can connect with us. Today's episode is Eric's choice. And he took us back to 1974. Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise. Travis, did you watch the movie? I, sh- I sure did for the podcast and everything. I'd never seen it before, though. Neither I. Can't wait to talk about it. We're going to do that in you know, about 20 minutes or so, whenever that gets going. Uh, Eric, Griffith, Good Indiana, enough. how are you? I'm I'm battling a severe chest cough, and I don't know how to get rid of it. It's like, can't breathe. Then, like, murder cough comes. Then, like, it's gone. Then it comes back out of nowhere. Like, I don't know what to do. Back to school like, sickness? Just started, yeah. Is this, like, a yeah, fall Is this thing? an illness? Or did, did yeah. it just start, like, right before yeah. the show? Or? Well, maybe pod maybe you just you know have pod terror could be pod terror could pod just terror be maybe a little allergy okay. kicking up you know a little little fall allergy or something. those of you guys that don't know pod terror is a real thing and people are afflicted by it every year <laughs> it's terrifying me five minutes uh we guys we drops got, we got emails and we got two what? of them so it's very unusual for what? us to have two in one Spam? show so let's get to it yeah wow. no they're not spam they're real uh this is from david horning we we all know david those that don't know dave he's a pretty cool guy right random musing hey gang thanks for the call out i do love this pod oh that's that's very nice thanks i love movies and i love you my brothers are you drunk did you write this when he was drunk or is he just being genuinely good man uh so it's a no-brainer thanks wow i have a lot of time to kill while driving these days too i'm almost through all your back catalog of episodes of movies that i've seen I'm always coming up with things to email, but due to the nature of my listening circumstance, I can't take notes. Maybe one of these days I'll remember something. Big fan of QVP. Keep it up. Love those quarantine viewing picks. Have gleaned a bunch of good viewing suggestions from that portion of the pod. How about that, Travis? Wow. All right. It's great news. I always More am, support. Yeah, it is moral support. I am always thinking of films I'd love you to cover as well. But again, forget what they were as life gets in the way. I seem to remember loving The Fountain. Oh, I never saw that, actually. Um, Me neither. Ooh, interesting. Haven't watched it in years. Would love to hear y'all talk about it. Nice work, gents. Dave, don't try to force a movie suggestion on us. Nice try. Come on. It's not happening. I mean, we made all those suggestions to him, so he's trying to <laughs> give one back, but you're like, no. Not I'm not going to stand for that. 
No, we only get to pick every three weeks, okay, Dave? So I'm not wasting my pick on your movie. Kiss my ass. We take this shit seriously. Um, maybe we'll have a guest again someday. Maybe we'll have maybe. an email again uh, if we don't keep insulting our first emailer in one, three months. Yep, he's like, I love you. We're like, Kiss no, my ass. fuck you, Dave. No, we love you, Dave. Or at least I do. I love Speaking him too. I'll join here. you. I'll join in on that. You care to make a three? Uh, I love Dave as well. <laughs> there you go. All Look right. at that. A clean sweep. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The fountain, that's a good choice. Maybe we'll get around to that. It's probably time for us maybe to bring out the old, you know, viewer's choice. That's kind of fun, you know? Oh, yeah. It's been a while. And a idea. if we get this kind of commitment more often than we used to in the past, we didn't really get that. So we'd play the old school game where selection, we'd remove choices from a selected choice amount from Jimmy's basement mm -hmm. back in the day for people who don't know Jimmy and uh, the Tackus basement. But. I'll find games when somebody picks Blood Diner. <laughs> or them twice. <laughs> Blood Diner? Blood Diner worked out. It's okay. fine. Uh, second email. This guy's back again. Joe emailed us last week. Hey, That's Joe. two weeks in a row. Film tracking. Yeah, hi, guys. Just wondering if any of you have in the past or currently used an app service where you track and give your opinions on what you have watched along the lines of Letterboxd. You guys know Letterboxd? I don't know what that is. Yeah, I, I use Letterboxd. I don't give reviews on it. I just keep track of how many movies I've watched. So I could just watch that number climb to crazy heights and be like, what have I what have I done with my life? <laughs> That's pretty much So that is that what Letterboxd is? Could you tell me if someone doesn't know? It's um I mean it's like uh you know you know, untapped, like mm. the beer. I've heard it's of it. like you check in. Yeah, you just check in. Like, this is the movie. You, you can rate them, and you can write your reviews, and you can follow each other and, like, read each other's clever reviews. Oh. But I honestly, all, all that stuff I don't really get into because it's just, like, everyone's just trying to be either, like, as smarmy as they can be or, you know, I don't know. It's, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not really reading the shit, but I do like to uh, just keep track of the films I've watched. Ah, uh, it's like Facebook in, like, 2000. 10-ish when you could check in at the places you're at for the first time so everybody started doing it all the time hey i just checked oh, in annoying. at uh the heidelberg let's party i went to wendy's <laughs> yeah i didn't get i didn't see that as much i don't know why i know eric was at wendy's or burger king or taco bell kfc arby's uh jack of the box ah shit i ran out of one okay um uh, del taco del taco that's a good one a and w uh, to, a, right, there. to a certain degree, that's what you're doing with your podcast. So I could totally understand if you don't use a film show review and tracking type of service or whatever it would be called. But even if you don't, I was wondering if you had a recommendation since I want to start doing it for what I watch. Cheers, Joe Lowry. Well, I don't do that, so I have no recommendation. I mean, I use Letterboxd, so I would recommend it. Back in 2001, I filled a spiral notebook cover to cover with reviews of films that I saw, and then I rated them. Wow. Like in this notebook. I still remember I giving that. Jurassic Park 3 like three stars. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. <laughs> but I was adamant. It was Alan. every single movie I seen. <laughs> Alan! Alan, wake up! I lost it, man. It would be really fun to dive back into that thing. God, that clip is its so fucking funny. It's one of the most unintentional funny moments in the history of film. The raptor. <laughs> Alan, wake up. <laughs> I'm your buddy raptor. Yep, yep. Three stars. <laughs> raptor on a plane. Waking oh. up Alan Grant. <laughs> first class. Yep, first That's class raptors. Please. Yep. First class raptors in a major motion picture. Uh, uh, Travis, band, right? Travis said something really funny on the text thread. I truly laughed out loud. It was so funny. Let me. I just want to read it verbatim because it really made me laugh. Because somebody posted a picture of Mitch album. You said seven cokeheads you meet in a bathroom at Chili's. <laughs> I mean, maybe you had to be there on the text thread, but yeah, we were talking Mitch album. Eric posted a picture. With, yeah, a Mitch album picture with coke on his nose in the text thread, and then that was Travis's response. Yeah, seven cokeheads you meet in a bathroom at Chili's. Really funny to me. So. Uh, Travis, you got anything else funny to share with us for quarantine viewing picks? Um, I don't know. Did I watch any comedies? Not really. Uh, let's see. What did I watch? Uh, revisited the dark half again. I just keep returning yeah. to the same well, trying to find more than what's there. Uh, it's not bad. It's good to just kind of throw on and have a, you know, a night, you know, at night. Um, Eric, you had mentioned that Zemeckis's films oh, had God. just all gone downhill in the last decade or so. And I looked back and I'm like, what's the last Robert Zemeckis movie I actually watched? And it was Flight, which I thought was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I disagree with Eric. It's happened before on this show, even sure. when it comes to film. So I thought I'd revisit, uh, you know, I'd check in on some of his stuff. So far, I've only gotten to Allied from 2016 with uh, Brad Pitt and um, that woman, the French woman whose name I always forget. Yeah. Yeah. Marie Cotillard. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So um, this starts off. It's, it's weird. It's kind of, it's almost like a sequel to Casablanca, but it's not, it's very much a spiritual sequel, which you're already like, eh, and it's like spies in world war two. And you're like, eh, this is all pretty well torn, well tread territory, but it wasn't bad. I mean, it was well-directed, well-acted. Uh, it was written by the same screenwriter that did, um, I know we did Eastern promises and some other good stuff. Uh, it was certainly worth checking out. It was not, it was not, a, it was not a trash film by any stretch of imagination. Um, mm. I am Groot season two came out, so I enjoyed the 20 minutes or whatever that is. So thanks for another 20 minutes of entertainment once a year <laughs> on that. <laughs> uh, God, and then I watched, you know, I don't really have a major one to recommend this week because the last one I watched, I announced like on Facebook many years ago that I was going to, I'm going to watch every Gene Wilder movie. And I've plugged away at that over a long time and still not quite seen all of them, but this was one of the last ones to uh get under my belt the world's greatest lover the world's greatest lover from 1977 which he also wrote and directed um this weird the, the word madcap kept springing to mind it's like this <laughs> weird parody of the 1920s and rudolph valentino and gene wilder you know so I've, i read a bunch of his stuff like his memoirs and that kind of stuff which is partly why i'm a big fan and he is always funny but he's always also really sexual you don't really think of that necessarily when you think of him but he's very like he's very in a weirdly erotic comedy kind of guy <laughs> it's always been a big part of what he writes and what he does huh. i mean if and it's, and it's and it's like sometimes it's more overt than others and this is one of those occasions where he really gets to uh get into that so if you want to see 1970s gene wilder just completely here, have a camera and a budget and get your friends to come on board. It was it was certainly worth seeing the Jack Jump, Gene Wilder, but it's not not the best of his filmography. Erotic Nights with Gene Wilder. Exactly. exactly. Jerry Sibley is not the man you think you're going to get down in bed with. <laughs> what about you, old man time? Dude, uh, more hoarders, some real messy houses, some real messy houses. I bet. Uh, yeah, a couple seasons of that. Uh, you, you know, I, I've been watching Siskel and Ebert nonstop. All the old episodes are on YouTube. It's yes! hilarious, man. That was funny like, shit, yeah. Oh, it's it's laugh out loud funny. Like, like they're ripping Ghostbusters too. like, just uh, destroying it. I'm like, whoa, guys, <laughs> like, they are just tearing it apart. And there's they did, like, a whole show on, like, like how, why horror movies, like, all suck. Like, they both don't <laughs> like any horror movies, so they just ripped on them for, like, a whole episode. Like, their points oh, were ridiculous. Wow. They're like, why are these movies? Like, why would you want to be scared in a movie? It's like, fellas, <laughs> fellas. I don't like it, so it must be bad. I got to see that It was hilarious. One. There was some great stuff. And then I started watching some old uh, old episodes of Tom Snyder, The Late Late Show. Remember this fucking oh, guy? Oh, wow. Remember this face? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This face. He I was, was laughing. On, uh... One of the is a safe episode show covers like a month or so, six weeks ago. <laughs> it's hilarious, man. Like, oh, I was laughing my ass off at like one in the morning. He's got Quentin Tarantino on. Tarantino's talking about like Jackie Brown. He's like obviously like high out of his mind on coke. And like they, people used to call in, like random people just call in and like talk to these major celebrities and take up all this airtime. And this woman comes on and she's like, "Hi, Tom. Just wanted to let you know that family is really important. Family is everything." And he He's like, got a question for Mr. Tarantino. She's like, not really, but I I do have terminal cancer, and I wanted to spend my last remaining years thanking you for your great program. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> awkward as hell. Holy shit. So they're sitting there like, uh, what are we supposed to say to this woman? And finally they're like, uh, you know, good luck, happy holidays. And then he has Leonard Nimoy on. <laughs> He's got the legendary Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock on himself. And I never seen this guy pissed, but <laughs> fucking Dom Snyder, he's like, what was your first movie, may I ask? And Leonard Nimoy's like, Zombies of the Stratosphere. And Tom Snyder starts laughing his ass off at this title, like, as one would. Like, the early 50s, this bonkers movie, it's like, gotta be a joke. Leonard Nimoy gets fucking pissed live on the air. And he's like, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? I was an honest actor making a living trying to support my family. And, like, it's all awkward, and the set's fucking quiet. 
and no one knows what to do. It's fucking hilarious. It's on YouTube. You got to see it. Um, yeah. Other than that, wow, it's pretty much it, man. I haven't gotten around to a couple of these movies. I want. I watched about half of that Little Mermaid remake. It's fucking terrible. Perfect, like, like perfect voices underwater. No, not even like any like weird like warbling. Just perfect voices in water. It's really? So that's dumb. your complaint? Yeah, Among many. That's your Among many, but that's the thing Reality. that stood out the most. <laughs> Want reality in my Little Mermaid? I shouldn't be able to see shit. They're underwater. <laughs> it should be nothing but murk. It should just be two that's hours true. of That's haze. true. That crab was talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Eric. That's fun stuff. Uh, for me, uh, I don't. Again, I told you I couldn't share much last week because I want to bring him to the table. So uh, mm. I did. Well, I went and watched uh, Straight Out of Compton. You know, it's been eight years since it came out. Uh, Wikipedia the movie, as I called it, you know, or a <laughs> Wikipedia did. telling of NWA and all the people in it. And yeah, I like that movie. Uh, I enjoyed it because maybe I stepped away from it. I didn't hate it when it came out. I just didn't think it was like I, I wanted to love it more than anything. I just thought it was kind of formerly typical. Yeah, so. had no edge. No, it still is. Even though they do some, I mean, they, there's endless guns and violence and uh, cops beating on black people and like a bunch of awful shits happening in this movie. But you're right, it still doesn't have that much of an edge. That's pretty wild to say. To I'm comprehending that in real time right now. That's a good point. Um, still entertaining though. And uh, by the way, uh, the guy who played Easy E in that movie, everybody was predicting in 2015 that he was going to be like a mega star coming off of that. Yeah. But I, yeah, I. I don't think I've seen a ton of him. I don't. Even, I don't know his name off the top of my head, so I'm, I'm the asshole. But um, that may have been incorrect. Uh, anything else I can share? Uh, oh, I've been doing this weird thing too. <laughs> Man, I'm weird. I'm particular. I'm particular. That's all. Uh, particular. So I'll put a movie on at night to go to bed to, but I'll have it on repeat. So it'll just start over again because I got it on my laptop. And I'll put the TV on sleep. I like to put it at 180 minutes. I like to really let it drag out. It's going to turn off, but it's going to be three hours. And so I've done three different movies this week where I did that. And I woke up two different times like, and I heard like I was awoken by Jude Law, like going ape shit at one point. And then another time it was, uh, I put on 42 because Travis had watched it. That was the other night. And I heard heard Harrison Ford's like, hey, listen, hey, it scared the shit out of me when I woke up all of a sudden out of the blue. So. Um, it's strange. It's a true story, but it's rough, weird. Rough Ford pulling you out of slumber. That hey, would be alarming. He was incredible in that movie. He really was. So Compelling you to turn towards Christ, yeah. as he does throughout right. that film. It better be a Methodist, damn it. That's right. <laughs> uh, I can't share anything else. Yep. That'll, uh, yep. No, that's it. Can't do it. Okay. Uh, all right. So with that, that was Quarantine Me Picks. Uh, you guys got something you want to suggest or something we missed or you want us to hear about? CinemanIPod at gmail.com. Of course, yeah. five-star review, subscribe to the YouTube, blah, blah, blah. You know how that shit works. If you like the show, support it in the ways you can, where it costs you no money. Okay? Yeah, email us with a suggestion so we can shoot it down on the show. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> but we'll tell you we love you, though. We will tell you that. Yeah. yeah we'll do that. All right. Well, it's time. Eric's pick from 1974, 50 fucking years ago. The Phantom wow. of the Paradise, directed wow. by the legendary Brian De Palma. Is this the first De Palma movie we're doing? It's got to oh. be. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it is. I don't. Shit, we haven't yeah. done. Never would have guessed. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Well, this would be the one. Yeah. So Brian De Palma, nineteen seventy four, and uh, starring uh, <laughs> a fascinating human being, Paul Williams, a, a legendary songwriter. Yeah. Paul Williams is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Yeah. He's a he's a short little guy who's got a. Unique voice. It's different. There's some, it's not squeaky. It's I don't know. My dad described it as squeaky. I'm like, no, it's not squeaky, Dad. It's um, it's not squeaky. Reedy. Yeah. <laughs> a bit reedy. Maybe that's what it is. A bit reedy. We haven't talked about him since we did uh, Rules of Attraction. That's right. Wait, do we do Rules of Attraction on the show? As Absolutely. A... Sure did. Who picked no, it? Absolutely. I, I think I did. Uh, Fucking loved it. Yeah, you did. I yeah, believe. I'm blown away. Yep. Holy shit! Okay, I got, wow. Remembering your life. That's yeah. That's, I love that movie, so I re- really like yeah. to remember that. And yes, I. Paul Williams has a very funny turn <laughs> right. in a cameo as a doctor when they take uh, Jay, what's his face, Jay Baruchel into the hospital mm-hmm. for a OD mm-hmm. bullshit OD. So, uh, anyways, Eric, you picked this movie. Tell us why. Yeah, I think it was 2014. I went over to my friend's house. He's he's uh, he's 
started the film collective I'm in. His name's Kevin. He's an older guy. And he's like, we're talking to Palma. And he's like, what do you think about Phantom? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I, I, I had no clue what he was talking about. I thought for sure he was making this up. Then he's like, let's put it in. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing shit. We sat there and watched it. And I, 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 it's just so difficult to say. Like, you never forget it. Like, some things you just never forget the first time you saw, at least for me. And like... I don't know. It's kind of like the first time I watched an adult movie. Like, I'm not sure what I was looking at, but I know that I enjoyed it. <laughs> By the way. And then we ended up having a movie night, and we're like, dude, Kevin, let's Phantom of the Paradise. Let's show these people. And, like, we showed it to them, and they were all like, we're all, you know how sometimes you watch a movie with people you really want other people to see? Like, you spend the entire movie watching for their reactions? Like, <laughs> and I just looked yes. over him, and he was looking at everybody. I was looking at everybody. They all fucking hated it. And me and Kevin were like, what the fuck? You guys crazy? Let's just spend one of these movies that, like, once, like for like two weeks after I watch it, it just like it just haunts me and resonates with me, and I just cannot stop thinking about it. So I my my goal is to just get everyone I know to see this. So that's why I decided to bring it on the show. That's what I tried to do with Search and Destroy for like thirty years. Yeah, we're back to back uh, <laughs> fresh takes on these movies, at least from one of us. That's what we're doing, and you, you and Travis, you guys watch the movies that we want you to see. Make sure. people watch this shit. Uh, Travis, you never saw the movie, right? No, no, I'd, I'd heard of it. It has um, more so in recent years. I don't remember hearing about it like growing up or anything, but in the last five, ten years, it's become one that I hear cinephiles discuss, you know, especially De Palma fans, including Eric Branstrom. I'm sure Luke, friend of the show, Luke is going to be pissed. Uh, I'm sure he, he loves De Palma, so I'm sure he's seen this movie. He's going to have something to say about it. I actually have not seen it either, and... The only way I even heard of it was when I watched that De Palma documentary on Showtime like a year or two ago, and it was Amazing. like a, it was brief. It was I, you know, it was like a flash in the pan because they cover his whole career. And yeah. by the way, the Rules of Attraction episode was episode forty three. That's why I can't remember it. Mm. And that took place on January thirtieth, twenty twenty one. Well over two years ago. That's why I can't remember it. Wow, that's been a minute. Holy shit! But I feel honored to have that I remember something that you forgot, my elephant friend. You nailed it, my friend. I'm the boss of Absolutely, the credit's due. Old weedhead comes through every now and then. Hey, old weedhead. Uh, how about the IMDb score? Is this a celebrated classic that deserves 8.0 status? Yeah, I know the score. So. Oh, okay. Um, let oh, me see. Right. What do you think, Travis? Well, probably most of the people that have seen it at this point are like diehard fans and like love it and their friends and family that were bemused. <laughs> so um, I'm going to say a little shy of seven. I'll say good old 6.9. Yeah. Well, I mean, Eric and Kevin showed it to those people. They hated it. So it can't be that <laughs> beloved. Uh, not everyone likes it, but certain people are diehards. Like you said, I'm going to say this. It's De Palma. It's the 70s. I'd say 7.3. Mike nailed it. It is 7.3. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Oh, I'm happy about that. It's not a big deal. It's just nice to... Uh, uh, who cares? Uh, it's 21,000 ratings. Celebrate the little victories. We care. We it's, care. Celebrate. It's the little things. 21,000 ratings, though. That's pretty low. That's a small number. Yeah. So, obviously. Uh, it is in the top... 5,000, 4,998 in popularity. Congratulations, Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes-wise, you know, there's these people on there, and they're called critics, yeah. but you could also be a fan. They're in trouble. Rotten Tomatoes is uh, in hot water. Are you guys following the story? Oh, no, tell no, me. I haven't seen it. I heard about it. Accepting bribes uh, for positive wow. reviews. Is that official? Like, it's been evidenced? Lock, lock this in. I want you to look this up. Uh, yeah. Wow. I can't remember the name of the movie. Uh, it's like a very small movie, but yeah, they were they're accepting some shit for to put positive review, reviews up from celebrated critics. <gasps> Holy uh, shit! Like in, a, that's... in a weird way, like and it turns we out can't like trust the, the people never even saw it or something, something weird. Yeah, <laughs> we can't trust Rotten Tomatoes. Our institutions are broken. That's a fact. Uh, the de the de this is on Vulture.com. The decomposition of Rotten Tomatoes, and there's a picture of a Ooh. bunch of decomposing, rotting tomatoes. The most overrated nice. metric in movies is erratic, reductive, and easily hacked, and yet has Hollywood in its grip. So yeah, check that out. It's true. I mean. Yeah, we, we we use that and IMDb on a regular basis yeah. in the same way that I use Amazon. Like, like ah, this is not good. Sure, um, it's convenient though. But we do we 
we don't give a shit about, at least I don't really care what the Rotten Tomato score are. I really just use it because it collects a bunch of critical reviews. That's what I care yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's and I res- for the Oddly critics. enough, I respect the IMDb rating more than whatever the score is on Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't know why that is. I just always felt that way. So, Have you ever like been excited about a movie, and then you heard like uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score, and you were like, I'm out, I'm just going to wait? <laughs> Uh, maybe not Rotten Tomatoes. I, I know I've done it with IMDb, mm. like, or just reviews in general. Now that I'm thinking about, it, I guess. I mean, it's, yeah, I guess it's just another place. To it's possible. I think it's possibly happened. I can't think of an example right now, but maybe there was one of the later recent Marvel movies. I was like, oh, people are shitting on it, or I don't know. It's definitely happened though. I can't lie about it. It's 81 percent from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 84 from the audience, so that's higher than the 7.3 on IMDb. As far as the critical review. We got some reviews on this one. And how about Andrew Saris of the Village Voice? De Palma has mixed too many of his styles in Phantom of the Paradise, but this is still a movie to be seen and heard. Okay. okay. Uh, what about the legend? Is this, she's legendary, right? Pauline Kale? Oh, yeah. Yeah, numero uno. So Pauline Kale from The New Yorker once upon a time said this De Palma, who can't tell a plain story. Oh, wow, that's a high praise. Uh, does something that a couple of generations of student and underground filmmakers have been trying to do and nobody else has ever brought off. He creates a new guignol? G-U-I-G-N-O-L? Yeah, I kept In seeing a- this word when I poked around. Like, grand, grand guignol? I don't know what the fuck they were talking about. I didn't bother to look Spell it up. Spell it again? G-U-I-G-N-O-L. G-U-I-G-N-O-L. New on me. Yeah, uh, Luke. Hey, Luke. <laughs> Luke. Blue milk. Uh, he creates Luke. a new guino in a modern idiom. So there you go. Whatever that means. I think it's kind of similar to like a giallo, which is kind. Of, it's basically like a new genre, a new way of storytelling, a new type. Like giallo is like horrific noir. So it's got to be something like that. Oh, okay. So uh, marionette, uh, person comique de ridicule. Well, this is on French. Jesus Excuse Christ. I, um, <laughs> Mike? What it's puppet. You have it's, too. Yeah, pu- yeah, thank you. It means puppet. Marionette. Yeah, it means puppet. Sure. That's what it's telling Thanks. me. Thanks. Yeah, so. I knew that. Puppet. I did oh. not know that. You did? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, how about a local? Long time ago, Christine Brown. She doesn't even have a picture, but she worked at the Detroit Free Press, and she said... For the most part, this one is a delight. From Williams' sophisticated musical parodies to the shadowy, hazy cinematography to the culmination of Horror Rock's false violence. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh! Hey, Eric. Here's your boy, Gene Siskel. <laughs> Long time ago. Gene was... Bring it. Weighing in. What's up on the screen is childish. Uh-oh. It, <laughs> it has meaning only because it points to something oh. else. To put it another way, joking about the rock music scene is treacherous because the rock <laughs> music scene itself is a joke. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's that's salty. Good. Wow. Yeah, that is that's funny. Good job, Gene. <laughs> Rest in peace, old Damn. man. Uh Let's see. There's none Gene, of our uh, turn it down, Siskel. None of our usuals for this because uh, it's older, I suppose. But uh, we got yeah. a five-year-old Desson Thompson reporting from his <laughs> Montessori school. That'd be great. Uh, we finished with Richard Schickel from Time Magazine, a, a crazy, savage film, iconoclastic and truly liberating. Okay. So, I've never seen. Any version of the Phantom of the Opera? Am I missing something if I've never seen it on stage or in the original old school movie versions? Uh, fill me in here. And I think I'm with you, Mike. I never have. Why either? Oh my God! That's wow. That's I don't weird. like Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, I've seen what is it, Karloff? I've seen clips of that, and I never, I never watched the whole thing. Um, never really appealed to me. I didn't ignore it. it just never heard of a rule novel. I'm, no, I've never read the novel. I'm, I'm familiar enough with the story. Someone's pissed. He hides in the theater and does stuff. I'm not even He's familiar ugly. with it. All I ever saw, the only thing I know about Phantom of the Opera was when we were kids and those commercials would come on in like 1992. The prestigious pantages theater. Two, two, two. That's right. Two, two. The prestigious 
Pantages Theta, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom. Over and over again with that commercial. They were hitting us hard. Yep. Well, if that's all you know about it, you're missing out. I fucking love I saw it twice. Once on Broadway, right there in New York City. Once in uh, beautiful Chicago, Illinois. I love the family. 1925 Phantom Universal Lon Chaney is one of my all-time favorites. I fucking love this story. But, I mean, it's just not all Phantom here. I mean, come on now. Oh, there's like five stories here, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like it's also, oh, God, you devil. <laughs> <laughs> Faust! Yeah, Faust. Oh, no, no, it's, 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 there's two devils, no Faust, but both the devils were Faust that turned into the devil. Okay. Mm. It's complicated. Wow. My mind is... Uh, there's a, what, Frankenstein in this? Too? I mean, it's just like loaded with all these <laughs> Everything. old-timey stories. But I, I, my only reason for asking that eric is if i've never seen phantom of the opera am i missing something for this movie particular it's not a direct adaptation no i know it's not but I mean, what am i missing I, am i missing something if i didn't see it i know it's not a direct adaptation no, so. no. Okay. phantom gets pissed that somebody else is singing his music and he doesn't appreciate the the singer that they that the company chose so he gets pissed and starts killing off um you know crew on the stage not innocent victims like fucking winslow does Jesus. but like uh like people that are on the board and like really pulling strings and manipulating and are assholes but yeah, yeah i mean go back and watch them they're all, all the adaptations are great even the robert england adaptation is fantastic okay that's fine i mean this movie's filled with people that most people won't know so this is not like a star-studded movie yeah. at all i mean Paul Williams plays Swan. And by the way, there was like a whole legal thing with <laughs> Swan. Uh, Led Zeppelin because there was like a Swan Records that they had or something. There was, right. there was a lot of lawsuits and a lot of bullshit related to this film, apparently, that was ancillary to it. But William Finley as Winslow Leach is... Mm. Mm -hmm. I, can, I don't... Where else would I have seen William Finley? Because, man, he, he was really good in this movie. I got to give him credit for that. I have no idea. I've got no idea. No? <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. I thought... Like, oh, hey, I've been missing out on William Finley, but apparently I ha he died in 2012, by the way. He's gone. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> this movie starts so deliberate, man. It's classic De Palma. These camera shots and the slow opening of, like, you get the intro about this guy who's brought all the music to the world. And it's so cynical. Like, this movie is cynical as fuck about music and pop music in particular. I like a lot of the music. Um, I think that's the highlight of the film oh. is William's work. Um, when uh, Winslow Leach first is introduced, he's like putting. I fucking hate Grease. Oh my god, that opening band. Oh, I know. All those Grease vibes. Oh my god. Like, 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 Fruits. I hated that shit. Yeah, I did but too. When he's, like, <gasps> he's like putting oh, the um, the fucking sign. His sign over that. The other, you know, the other band shit. Yeah. Like, oh, this guy seems like a real asshole. Then he comes out and he starts playing. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, this is he looks like the goofiest motherfucker I've ever seen in my yeah. life. But uh, he yeah. sounds pretty good. I like this song. It's okay. Yeah. And um, yeah. But yeah. Worst lip, -sync, lip, worst lip syncing in any movie ever. They're like, all right, William, uh, we know we're going to have a good song. Don't know what it is yet. So just like <laughs> sing tenderly and we'll hope that it matches up. <laughs> wow. I was far away from the TV, so I didn't really notice that, I guess. So. I guess I, I mean I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention either. I guess. But you know what's interesting about the film is it opens like talking about this nostalgia wave. So we're Swat. watching a movie fifty years later, not in the time mm -hmm. that it's released. I had to. I was trying to like put myself into a time that I didn't exist in either. I didn't. I wasn't born yet in the seventies, and so I thought, oh, okay, I see this Juicy Fruits band, which I hate. Uh, is this like? <laughs> oh, was it like a Happy Days was a huge show in the seventies? So like fifties nostalgia was big in the seventies. Is that what I'm supposed to take from it? Well, it was, wasn't it? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> in the I'm, early eighties. Yeah. So that's well, correct. Yeah. The craziest yeah. thing about this, one of of many, is the fact that they shot this in like '72 or very, very early '73, and it was delayed because of that, those lawsuits. Yeah. So it's even more unique in the respect that it's one of the first rock operas, but it's also one of the first people to even address any type of nostalgia craze. Because with the juicy, that was that's like '62. All that stuff was only like maybe 10 years before they made this and happy days didn't come out to the late 70s so no one was doing any type of nostalgic stuff and seven grease was 78 and i love I, i'm sorry i love grease so i dug the juicy fruits their song is 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 dumb like if you're not a fan of that stuff why is he like, doing that accent in the song you, what the fuck well 
the song is literally about an artist that like dies for their music and it's like little stuff like that in the songs and the motifs that i love throughout the entire film i don't know uh, okay this movie also features a one of the the worst it's just the worst jailbreak of all time it's so stupid <laughs> Like, they're laughing with it's, us. Like, hey, go ahead yeah. and laugh at this jailbreak, because that's not the point of the movie. We don't give a fuck. Yeah. It is Charlie yeah. Chaplin shit. I mean, it is just <laughs> fucking, yeah. like, bozo. Like, we're not even going to try yeah. and pretend like this is remotely realistic. I know. There's a lot of sing -sing. anyways. Literally sing-sing. You're getting out of there by falling down to, like, a fucking toy mine shaft. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're just out. Sing -sing. <laughs> so, he has to get disfigured. I mean, like, so he gets crushed by the... By the way, the record press thing, I guess, he really almost did get totally fucked on that, according yeah. to the trivia on IMDb. Yeah. Uh, he oh, survived. Wow. Yeah. It was, they had yeah. it set up, and then, like, the these things that were supposed to protect him got crunched, and that's the real take. <laughs> he's, supposedly, he's genuinely terrified when he's screaming coming out of that yeah. record press. So, oh, my God. I know. It's, it's terrific. Yeah, it I didn't him. know that when I watched it. I'm reading it after the fact. I was like, oh, my good God in heaven. Um, get away from that record press. <laughs> but, Fucking God. So he's got to get his teeth ripped out. He's, he's got to get his whole body fucked up, and he becomes this Frankenstein, mm -hmm. right? He becomes this uh, part man, part machine thing that... Uh, Immediately doesn't want to kill the swan after what swan did with him, to him. And also, we saw the rage that he showed to Philbin, his partner, when he first met him and wanted to take his yeah. music from him. I mean, this guy, he would have killed swan right away. That, that just kind of bothered me a little bit. No, he's got he's saving his fury for the fucking lighting guy. Kill later. <laughs> swan, when he just does the live. same job as the lighting guy does. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, dude, I was going to put the spotlight on her. <laughs> but I do have to. But I don't know. Like he, he. I think he. What he knew that Swan was this legendary producer. So at least Swan was going to make the music happen in yeah. sub capacity. Whereas him and his state probably wouldn't be able to get it to fruition at all. Yeah, and he'd murdered Swan's band, his house band, and some random women. So <laughs> random bimbos at the beach bar. I did like I mean, that. There they'd be. I liked that, that the movie showed a fucking assembly line of fucking women who are trying to actually sing but you go in there you're just gonna get fucked literally i'm like yep that, yeah. I'm, that's yeah. not far off yeah. at all that took guts i think in this time period so i want to give it more credit for that there's a few things like that i mean um you have some lgbt stuff going on in the film too which i think that they handled pretty well i mean for yeah. the time period uh, we have not talked about beef yet, but uh, Do it. beef is beef. someone who is uh, clearly like appealing to both men and women, but doesn't really seem to make any bones. Even on stage, he's like blowing kisses at boys and stuff. Mm. Um, he comes to a bad end and uh, <laughs> could have been, you know, he was he was warned. He was warned, uh, warned. but he sh he sure could ham it up. He sure could chicken dance. He tried right. to leave. He, he heard that. Telling me you didn't hear that shriek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, Garrett Graham, who I recognize from other things, is a much more like tough guy kind of guy. It was pretty wild to see him in this role. Yeah, yeah not a Star know. Trek. He did a great job. Yeah, but beef like, is something. Yeah, but like it, that's the thing. Like, I mean, when it comes to the humor in this movie, it's like another thing that De Palma sat there and he's like, it's it's. It's definitely not just going to be, I mean, it's so many things. But even when it comes to the comedy, I'm going to have slapstick. I'm going to have, like, draw stuff, like the the transaction clause and the will. It's just like this dry humor. But he's got these all the different types of humor that, that I think are interesting. Yeah, he plops that contract on the table. It's like 100,000 pages. <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny. It is. But it's not well, yeah. directed I mean, at you directly. It is just like and this happening. And this is... I mean, especially if they did film this in 72, which I think they did. I mean, this is literally right when glam rock was a thing. It's like it's so on the button because this is exactly when like um, like T-Rex and Ziggy Stardust were just at their, their, their height. So for him to even address this stuff in a movie for 20th Century Fox is a huge deal. I agree. Okay, great show, everybody. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah. it good. We did it. We did this one early. Yay! Um, God, so this did anyone take th certain things in this movie seriously? I guess, like, did, were you able to get serious in certain parts of this film, or was it just? I guess it's more directed for Travis because he hadn't seen it like I had. I don't know, man. Wackadoo the movie. <laughs> it's uh, it's. I mean, it's it's hard. To, like, it's just. It's just. It starts off bizarre and goes out of its way to get more and more bizarre as the film plods on. Yep. Um, 
do I take things seriously? I mean, you have a protagonist and he's you're sympathetic to him, sort of, you know, pretty much. Uh, you know, he's he's got it's a you know David and Goliath thing, and it's like, okay, where's where this? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm rooting for him. And he starts <laughs> wantonly murdering people, um, left and right, with that with like little qualm. And uh, so I, I guess I took some of those murders kind of seriously. I was like, especially like, especially the juicy fruits and those girls. I was like, dude, this dude just <laughs> bombed these people because uh, reasons, I guess. Um, so that was I, that was the only part I think I took seriously. And I was just like, yeah, there is some good satire, but you know, like in like you pointed out. Um, and I thought and I took some of the music pretty seriously. I, I didn't necessarily like these prolonged scenes with just phoenix wandering around a stage gazing up at oh, whatever the part. fuck guess what came um, out you'll fast forward on that scene i admit it freely <laughs> you don't say there's two a great of those. scene I, two well of those. actually i did the first one Fantastic. when she auditions for the first time for the two of them when they yeah they uh, want to do oh, the sonata great. over again i was like okay yep she's gonna keep singing she's good at it that's fine but that was the only fast yeah. forward but that took a lot yeah. of guts for me only too. one fast forward yeah i mean it's a slow deliberate film in a way like you said a lot of drawn out scenes that I, I didn't like the juicy fruits like you said but at the same time it is really got some incredible shots in like there's there's like images that i would just love to screenshot and like have as a poster in my house especially like some of those shots with uh with finley when he's become the you know robotic half man half robot thing or whatever he is mm -hmm. there's that one shot of him like zooming in with the eye his eye is huge by the way he's got giant eyes awesome and it's through the eye hole yeah. of that mask, and it's just a great shot. I just there's a lot of, a lot of beautiful camera work that a guy like Brian De Palma, not only can do, but he will really go out of his way to try to make happen. And there's a lot of stuff that I was just was more impressed by the technical aspects of the, the photography than I was in other films. It's really well done from that respect, without a doubt. We got incredible production design by the legendary Jack Fisk. Who was like David Lynch's right hand oh. man, Mulholland Drive, racer head. Like when when Swan's sitting like in like this whatever the fuck he's in, it's just this giant Death Records record. And he's like right in the middle of it. And he's like auditioning or he's not even auditioning people, he's just like fantasizing about what could work or what couldn't work. And we have these practical people coming in that he's like, No, no, it's not right. And then beef comes in. It's like stuff like that is like sticks with me. And like my favorite shots by far are at the end, when the assassin's getting ready to kill Phoenix, and the Phantom is just like running to try to uh, catch up to the assassin, and the camera is just like racing behind him, and the Phantom's like, rawr, 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 there's this weird <laughs> digital voice, and his fucking cape is flowing. And I'm like, this is 1974, and we got like this fucking weird ass, dark, Burton esque, like creepy ass, gothic Batman like character, and like, and no one's seen this. Like, that's one of the many reasons I've like, why are more people just talking about how like fucking bizarre and unique this is? And so. you got split screen, classic to Palmo yeah. split screen in this movie. Of course, you got to have it every movie. couple times. Yeah, yeah, classic to Palma. That, that's hmm. his thing. For all the technical marvels that I was impressed by with this movie, when it comes to the dialogue of this movie, it's really shitty. I think. I mean, the dialogue is just terrible <laughs> in this film. It really is. It's not. It's like they didn't even care about that part as much. It was all about the costumes and all the physical. I mean, the songs are well written. The songs are written much yeah, better than the great. dialogue is. I'm inclined to agree with you. I, th I thought the, most of the dialogue felt pretty wooden, pretty not great. Yeah, um, I love the music. I fucking love these songs, but. De Palma wanted this to originally be a, a play, and this is year. In fact, he, um, one of his really good friends, showed he he screened this for him before they released it, and this friend was really tight with Andrew Lloyd Webber, so he told Andrew Lloyd Webber to watch it, and he's like, "You should, you should. This should be your next project. You should team up with Ryan De Palma to make this." Hmm. Uh, and Andrew Lloyd Webber said, I, I'd like this, but like, I'm just going to do the Phantom of the Opera as a rock opera. So he like completely stole the, the basic conceit of this film. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, I mean, it is the dialogue is kind of like a hokey. It's kind of like a hokey play. So if he wrote it thinking it was going to be a play, then maybe that's why it's kind of goofy. But Brian De Palma can be very, very goofy. Yeah, but also Brian De Palma would have been stealing from other folks as well if we're talking about the conceit of the countless, film. Countless, countless, right. yeah. <laughs> so, fucking Poe um, and everybody else. Right. So um, do we all interpret the ending the same way? 
which is, I mean, like, what is it? the the death logo in, in flames after uh, the crowd is dancing in blood, right? I mean, he he starts that fire, he kills everyone in the theater, right? He burns the place down, kills everyone. Oh. I mean, it's literally death oh, in yeah. flames as everyone's <laughs> dancing. They're not aware that the building's on fire. Oh, I mean, that shit. would be cool. Yeah, I mean, that would have been awesome, especially if they would have showed people continuing to dance as they were on fire because well, throughout this climax like they really don't care about people fucking dying all around them they're so immersed in the music right and i think that's what we're, i think that's all what's heavily implied i mean it's literally the death mm-hmm. logo with flames zoomed into after the people like lost in dancing and not caring about death going right. on around them and stuff so he kills them all that's a great point that's how i took it that's why I'm, but i'm wondering if you guys got the same I hadn't exactly thought about it, but that makes all the sense of the world to me. It does. I, mean, <laughs> I think my interpretation after thinking about this for many years is, I mean, the story is trying to tell you about regardless of how good a record turns out or what you think about an artist behind the scenes, like the musician was probably a fucking dickhead. The producer was probably a fucking asshole, but we don't care as the audience as long as the music is good. And that's kind of what the audience is doing at the end of this film. They're they're just immersed in it, even though fucking people are dying and they're murderers. And Swan himself, Brian De Palma, wanted to name him Spectre. Yes! I mean, he's directly <laughs> uh, inspired by fucking Phil Spectre. And this was before the murder. Yep. Well, he was already <laughs> off, you know, he was already all fucked up and pulling guns on people at this point. And, and he, Paul Williams... The way he looks sometimes, I was already thinking Spectre before I read that little blurb about it after the fact. There's definitely a lot of taken from real life music in America, in the United States, the pop music yeah. world and how it works. And I, I mean, De Palma's got, I guess he does have love for it in a strange way, but he has a lot of contempt. The music. Yeah, the music, right? But he, Oh, yeah. The people like an indictment. who run it and who make things happen, everybody, everybody is uh, a scumbag of the highest order. And how you get the music probably was at the sacrifice of many, many people. And De Palma is not afraid to make that very clear in this film. And I love that part of the movie. I, I think... Uh, you know, rock and music and where it was in the early 70s. I mean, it was exploding with a bunch of huge bands that were going to be even more famous than ever after the fact. And it's just so, it's so true to me. I mean, I've never been on the road. I've never been behind the scenes of a concert, I guess, for like one of my favorite bands. But it seems pretty, pretty clear to me. Egos galore, scumbag city. (laughs) The satire that I most appreciated, um, was the whole 20 like we're, we're told in the beginning that this band swan throughout the 20th century was the one that like brought jazz to liverpool etc yeah. so this is the guy orchestrating everything and then it's shown throughout the film that it's done all through thievery yes well, that's accurate that's good mm. mm-hmm. that, that's what i yeah you said it better than i that was what i was trying to say if these people are exploiting people it's classic that's where it all started we all know the history of the blues and what is right. called rock and roll after the fact and spirituals how, yeah exactly yep. yeah Yep. stolen on the other hand um something that, that i found maybe it's just tired but it, maybe it wasn't tired by 1974 but i think it probably was which is the whole faustian bargain thing uh-huh. it's like i mean even especially when he's like walking up to like swan's house and it's like here's a song about the devil we're literally gonna meet the devil and listen to a song about meeting the devil when we meet the devil <laughs> it's like okay uh-huh. yeah i've been here before in film and elsewhere <laughs> well, y'all, fifty years. You gotta, you gotta give a little bit of credit, I guess. Yeah, I mean, eh. the Faust is a pretty old story. It is. You're right. I, I, I agree with you. I felt similar to you. Okay. Yeah, That's I mean, I, I praise the film, but like, I do. I, I, I've seen this a few times, and every time I do watch it, it's after Winslow stabs himself, and I'm like, oh yeah, that totally works. I love it. I feel his pain. And then when he tries to kill Swan, Swan's like, oh, I'm under contract too. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about the Faustian bargain. It does kind of seem like they're really Frankenstein, like just a patchwork. It's like you're going to do Oscar Wilde. You're going to do Shelley. Like, yes. It's a bit much. I mean, I'm totally cool with just making this a modern fan of the opera. But when they start scaffolding everything on top of each other, it gets, I mean, it's, it's entertaining to me and I'm never bored. I'm just kind of like, okay, come on. Do we really need to, to see... I do think it's cool that like his soul literally exists on videotapes and he burns up all the tapes and then like Swan is becomes the monster and yeah. stuff. That's cool. 
But is, maybe since it's not introduced sooner, it's like, okay, what else you got? You're just like throwing darts at a Cliff Notes well, so, 100 best of. And... Something we haven't touched on, but you kind of did there that I also got to praise the film for, for being 50 years old, is its emphasis on the voyeuristic nature of Swan and his obsession with surveillance mm -hmm. and all of the video cameras throughout that. It's at that one point, that incredibly grinding on forever long scene where it's just like, uh, the Phantom is watching Phoenix and Swan through the window. It's like, I'm, we're still in the same scene? How long does this go? It's only an hour and a half movie. How long are we going to spend here? But um, then you see that the there's another camera behind him that, that Swan is going to watch him watching him watching them later. Um, that kind of... Uh, so, the, yeah. that and that And that works and that's cool, but also that it also... I think kind of blends with your point, too, that there's a lot layered here where it starts to get a little thick... Lots of coats of paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love exactly. that. Yeah, yeah, I love that he's watching after the fact of stuff that he was aware of or was a part of. And I think it kind of reminds me a bit of, you know, Howard Hughes had died around mm. this time. And, you know, mm. he was famous for, you know, he was mm. wanted to have everybody constantly being watched. So maybe they pulled some of that, you know, the rich eccentric guy mm. who it's yeah. not that's, to me when you talk about Faust, that's it's something that I think of. But at the time, 72, 73, 74, it was much more fresh. And yeah. now, with the world we live in today, I think it's a point that people could be connected to that might draw them into the film a bit more, I would say. Yeah, yeah. and they, they, they even allude to, as if it, they, they didn't have enough um, homages, Citizen Kane quite a bit. Uh, I mean, in the beginning, they talk about how Swan's trying to build Xanadu. Yeah. But when Swan, do. the whole reason he assassinates Phoenix is because... He's like, yeah, I want to make her a star so my club gets popular, but the first night it's popular and I know that I'm success, I'm going to take her out because my pride is not going to let me have someone be more popular. Oh, than remember what he says about uh, and like the, the hubris perfect. of him. Remember the point wrong. of, I can't let her be the lead because you know how I, I hate to see perf perfection right. in others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. And that reminds me of my favorite scene in the entire movie when he's changing Winslow's voice to literally yes. be his voice. And he literally says, perfect. And it's fucking Paul Williams' voice. <laughs> I mean, just the irony of that and the meta-ness is hilarious. Hell yeah, yep. Egotistical prick. And of course, we don't have Daft Punk if we don't have Phantom of the Paradise. That's the story. They love this movie. Oh, really? And that's how they got to be who they are, yeah. There's a couple yeah. blurbs on the trivia about how much they love this movie. It's like their all-time favorite, and they all came in their pants when they saw it. So, Or, excuse me, in their <laughs> robot costumes Daft or whatever punk. they wear. So. Edgar Wright, right. Guillermo del Toro was trying to adapt this with Nick Cage as Winslow. Oh. It fell apart. <laughs> fucking wild. Um, how about you? Like you know, you're in the '70s when you're watching a movie where they blank out the F word, but then like a breath later have a racial epithet. Yeah. <laughs> '70s. Ah. Uh, uh, any yeah, mm. history. Mm. Things were different in history, and we hopefully could be yeah, more progressive going forward. Different. I would really hope for that to be the case. So. Yeah, I'm just pointing that no, out. No, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's also important to note that uh, this is fucking PG. We've yeah. got a <laughs> mega maniacal madman possessed yeah. by a demon who is feeding methamphetamines to women who have been enslaved in the music industry via ca the casting couch. This PG. movie clearly inspired Rocky Horror, right? It's fucking amazing that this is two years before Rocky yeah. Horror and no one knows about this film. Yeah. And, then, and then who's Tommy? Right. Before all of yeah, these. Yeah, somebody who's not... Uh, I'm not like a, I mean there are people who are obsessed with Rocky Horror. It's like their life. They like they want to do it every night. They want to perform it every night. And to me, this movie yeah. is just as good, at least, or as important as that film. I just find that to be interesting now that I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I I hate Tommy. I like Rocky Horror, but it got a little dull for me. But I also love and have seen three times Alice Cooper. Mm. Oh, um, remember that list of the secretary has? Isn't the, Alice Cooper one of the names? Do not enter. Or, yeah. <laughs> he, he is. Yeah. Who else? Like Chris Christopherson. Uh, ben Midler. Also banned. <laughs> Security needs to come yeah. immediately if they show up. <laughs> uh, anything else, guys? It's about that time again. No. Not really. Well, the, you're the one who chose it. Then you got to start first, my friend. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those movies that... Um, I just think you got to check out, especially when it comes to De Palma, because you would never think in a million years this is Brian De Palma. It's just so fucking weird, and unlike a lot of the stuff that he, aside from some of the like Hitchcockian visual tricks, like thematically, he never really did anything like this again. And I, I was trying to dig up 
any like long form interviews with him about this. Like, did he disown it? Like, is he embarrassed about it? No, he thinks he, he loves it. He still thinks it's really good and thinks it was underappreciated. Only did well in fucking Winnipeg, Canada. Only did well in <laughs> Winnipeg, Canada and Paris, I believe. But it fucking flopped. But he, he still appreciates what I think is which I think is cool. But I mean, you can't really like if you're if we were back at Blockbuster, <laughs> Travis, and this came in like it, but it had no category on it. Like, where would you put it? Musicals. Yeah, maybe musicals. But I mean, it's it's comedy. It's horror. It's suspense. It's thriller. It just for me, it does so much. And it's so colorful and interesting and cool and unique that it definitely holds up for me as just something that's still interesting after 50 fucking years. Like the stuff they're doing with the Phantom, that fucking costume I keep going back to. It's just so cool looking. So, yeah, man, I celebrate the film, and I, but I just have a, I'm a sucker for glam rock and rock operas, so it might just be me. But I, I love it still. Mike, you or me? I'll go. Uh, go for it. I really like what this movie does, uh, what it stands for. It's, you know, I love a satire. Um, I don't like musicals that much. I really don't. But I... Uh, Honestly, I don't think of this movie as a musical, even though there's a lot of music in it. I, I really didn't. It's a technicality. Who gives a shit? I guess it doesn't matter. Winslow Leach is a real character. He's bizarre and uh, puts me on edge, makes me feel weird. And other times I'm just baffled and confused by what people are doing in this film, what their motives are. It almost <laughs> seems like it's not important. It's a really bizarre film. It really is. This thing's, this thing's off the wall. And it's... Very unique, even though it's going through tired material. <laughs> a lot of tired yeah. material that we're well, uh, children are familiar with. So I think in the end, yeah, it's hot. It's entertaining, and it holds up. I think it's something people should see. Um, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch it again, though. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. That's a mixed bag. Yeah. Of a review. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm definitely glad that you brought it to the table as uh, you know someone who thinks of himself as something of a cinephile. This has been on my radar for a while. I've been meaning to check it off, and it's certainly um, you know I I appreciate the historical significance of this film. Um, you, you Eric did a really good job of pointing that out throughout um, the way that this is a predecessor in, to a lot of important films and widely respected films and all that kind of stuff but I'm not watching this in 1974 um, <laughs> Brian De Palma also I know is someone who's highly respected and I think he's done some really great movies like Blowout and um, mm. Mission Impossible Mission Impossible I also think that he's okay. kind of overrated. I mean, Scarface, I've never been a huge fan of. Oh. Uh, Sna Snake Eyes, Casualties of War. These I are not, Scarface. I mean, fucking, you know, these are not great films. Uh, Black Dahlia, um, you know, it's just not, not great. Uh, Mission to Mars. Yeah, Mission to, Mar Mission to Mars, like, egregious. Carlito's Way. Egregious. That one's great. That one I liked. Carrie. Uh, and Carrie, I also like. But they, they, and there's a lot of stuff in between, right? You look at his filmography, and it's like, oh, he's done a fucking ton that I've, Whew. some of them I've never heard of. So maybe there's a bunch waiting for me that I haven't seen. But he's someone that is widely respected as a director that I find kind of, eh, okay, he's capable. I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I hated this movie almost from the get go, almost <gasps> from the jump. Oh, man. I just was, I found it grueling. Um, I liked the music. Oh, no. uh, I liked some of the imagery. I liked some of the shots. I found it tedious to watch, and I won't be watching <gasps> it again. It doesn't hold up for me. Yes, hell yeah! Oh, man. Love that. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate that. I want to thank you guys. Sorry, for Eric. I mean, I <laughs> tough times. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but I mean it's just uh, tough times. Economy's down. No for me, dog. So <laughs> no for me, dog. All right, well, Travis spoke his truth, and that's I always want the truth here, and that's why I yeah, said that's all we want. that Phantom of the Paradise held up because I thought it was truthful in a lot of ways, so I appreciate that. Why is Beijing China always trying to call me? I'm sick of that. Why, why, are, you, why are you podcasting? Don't answer. I don't. I'm not answering that ever. No, they just keep calling. What do you mean ever? You answered it on the air with me. When? On your last uh, uh, 
if it wasn't on the Oh, that's the only time I ever answered it. Yeah, that's the only time it ever happened. They've called me like 40 times since. That's funny. Life is quirky. Because you answered that one time. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Anyways, uh, send them an iPod at gmail.com. Eric, Travis, me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. You can watch whoa, this on YouTube. Whoa, 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 I'm going to pick whoa, whoa, my movie. What's... Come on. Right, I know. You... Yeah, don't well, I'd worry. Be clicking... I'd be turning the show off if I was listening. Wait, wait. wait there's a movie pick. Okay, so <laughs> last time I chose to die for... This time, after the movie we just saw in 1974, Phantom of the Paradise, we got to go in a different direction, and we shall. And, God, there's so many I want to do. And I I look around, and I feel like we haven't done any movies yet from one of my personal <laughs> favorite directors. Uh, oh, really? I love Steven Soderbergh. Mm. He's probably probably my top five. I'd, it'd be we close. We out of sight. Oh, we did do Out of Sight. Yeah, okay. Out of sight. One of our first. Yeah. That's right. It's so long ago that I can't even remember it. That's yeah. why. I love Out of Sight. Um, so I thought we'd bring it back to the table again. Then we'll do the second Soderbergh film. And we're going to go way up now. We're going up to 2013. No, we're not, do we're not doing traffic. Uh, <gasps> we all know how I fucked that up. We're going to do... Yeah. <laughs> one of the last films I ever recall seeing Catherine Zeta-Jones in a starring role. It's 2013's Side Effects with Jude Law, Catherine Zeta-Jones... And Mara Rooney. Oh, boy. Rooney Mara. <laughs> Rooney Mara. That's right. Mara My dog Rooney. Was named after her. I will never forget that name. I know. Um, yeah, I realized as I said. Actually, I didn't realize I said it wrong until you just corrected me. So thank you. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen this movie. I guess I'll find out. Yeah. Right. Uh, Side Effects 2013. Effects. Check it out. Give it a look. Is this the one where you saw Jude Law screaming? No, <laughs> no but uh, seeing Jude Law in a different movie did remind me of this. And I thought, I honestly thought we hadn't done a Soderbergh. Yeah, I forgot yeah, we yeah. Did, did Out of Sight, but yeah. I wanted to do another Soderbergh. So we'll do yeah. it. Side Channing effects. Tatum, too. If you like Channing Tatum, it'll be fun. I do like Channing Tatum. Yay! <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Thanks Sorry, for watching. Oh. You got two out of three, man. What? <laughs> be happy. Right, thanks, be everybody. Happy. It's been a pleasure. Travis, Eric, Mike, we're out of here. Beef. <laughs>